Welcome back to the State of Flux podcast. We have something a little bit different for you this episode, and I couldn't be more excited about it. Two of my very good friends, Jesse Corman and Jimmy Laser, are here to give us a deep dive into the Lil Thrashers universe. If you're unfamiliar with Lil Thrashers, it's literally my favorite part of my job here at Flux. It's an extensive cartoon universe of monsters, misfits, and mutants that live in a town called Grimstone and find community in their local metal scene. It's a project that's very close to my heart, and Jimmy and Jesse are two of the most talented, creative, and amazing people I know. You may know Jesse as the frontman for The Number 12 Looks Like You, and he's also a creative producer for Yale Entertainment and a very in-demand set photographer. Jimmy is an amazing animator and designer who has worked with some of the biggest names in rock and hip-hop, and he also happens to be the creator of the entire Little Thrashers universe. We get into a little bit of both their backgrounds, their company Napalm Rainbow where they make badass music videos, and of course a look behind the scenes in Grimstone. So without further ado, here's our very special episode dedicated to The Little Thrashers. Are you ready? I know I've said this to both of you before, but working on Little Thrashers with you guys is literally my favorite part of my job. So thank you for bringing us in to uh, <laughs> to be a part of it. So I've got Jimmy Laser and Jesse Corman, who are the two primary founders of uh, Little Thrashers, the universe. Jimmy, it was your brainchild and you brought Jesse on. So where I kind of wanted to get started with this was just kind of like, what was that initial spark that brought Little Thrashers to life? I know it was just the Lizzie storyline before it became the expanded universe, but maybe you guys could jump in a little and uh, talk about where that spark came from and what it was like. So I remember it very vividly being like a new dad and got just used to not sleeping a lot. And that kind of carried into my kid being a toddler uh, a couple of years ago. When he was going through a phase of saying no to everything, he and my wife were getting in an argument very early in the morning when it was my turn to sleep in. And I just kept being awakened by this. It was like a regular yelling, shouting argument, but between a you know a toddler and a grown adult. And yeah, so I, I just, I, it was very surreal. I had not gotten a lot of sleep for a few days straight and I was kind of loopy and I went back to sleep and that was where it came from. I kind of had this like sort of vivid dream of, you know, these little characters just kind of screaming at each other and uh, she had put him in timeout, which seems to me like a really archaic thing, but timeout is actually a lot of child psychologists say it does work really well if you implement it the right way. So I had this idea of this heavy metal version of like time out for kids and the rest was history. I, I could not get the idea out of my mind. And to this day, it's still just like one of those things that kind of comes up anytime there's a difficulty between, you know, parent and child or child and child. I just kind of see that same energy that you'd see in the pit at like a heavy metal show or something there's a lot of stomping there's a lot of aggression there's a lot of puffing out your chest and i just think it really applied so well to that sort of energy really and it became a vehicle to kind of try to explain it make it entertaining and kind of connect child and adults in that way and you had did you immediately go into writing the script or did you kind of draw out 
what Lizzie would look like first or some of the other characters or was it just kind of here's the story let's jump into it it started with no characters and I remember that very same day I went to the basement we were supposed to go do a family thing and uh, we were late because I was like I just gotta I got this riff I gotta write down and uh, that was Time Out. I started writing Time Out that day, which is a fun, uh, for those who don't know, thrash metal, very throwback, like 80s, 90s thrash metal style song about not wanting to go to Time Out. And um, eventually I kind of landed on where I wanted it to be monsters, not like actual people. And I thought that that could really accentuate the, the negative attitude, but in a comical way. And that it started with Lizzie and the other characters kind of grew out of that. So it started with the song Time Out, which was the first song that is the whole Lizzie first episode is based around. It started with the song and then you ended up, and I know you had a co-writer on it, but you guys wrote the episode based on the song, not the other way around. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, in retrospect, looking back at it, it kind of shows that is really like the point where there's the most action going on, but it was a great central focal point to to build a show off of, I think. Um, but really, again, I, I had really just visualized a lot of the trappings of, of metal culture in these arguments, and it just seemed like rife with the opportunity to illustrate <laughs> that sort of scenario. Awesome. And then how did Jesse get involved? And how do you guys, just for a little further background, how do you guys know each other and what what brought Jesse into the team? Well, I mean, I'll start how we know each other um, because I was the one who was watching uh, Bad Rabbits's, uh, I think it was, I, I want to say it was Mimi. Uh, there some something, some sort of animated video for Bad Rabbits. And I remember looking at their animated video and I'm like, yo, who the fuck did this? Like, this is amazing. And I reached out to Shield. I was like, dude, who did this music video? Uh, and it was right around the time when Number 12 was starting to like get ready to uh, put out our first album since uh, we got back together. And he's like, this guy's Jimmy. And I was like, that's all you got for me? Just this guy, Jimmy? And I was like, it sounds like a sketchy, shady, like Jersey Boomba or something. So I was like, what's his deal? And then he had connected me to Jimmy and I had been like, hey man, huge fan of your work. Video is amazing. And I was like, would you want to work together? And that's sort of how it started. Um, I reached out. Um, I want to see if he'd be interested in doing some number 12 stuff. The rest is sort of history. And we did a uh, ton of number 12 stuff. And then that sort of rolled into doing other projects. And then that rolled into essentially us creating a music video production company, Napalm Rainbow. And uh, it just, there was so many, it just didn't really stop. It was like, I was talking to him more than I was talking to my family members. <laughs> and so like, it was just, it just kept going and going and going. And like, we just couldn't, we, we'd be like challenging each other. Like, oh, what about this? Oh, what about this? So naturally things sort of like, as you're sort of on that creative plane, there's a lot of like things that come from those like creative talks and other things would sort of spark here and there. And then it would branch out at, at some point. From my recollection, I mean, Jim, you can say if, if you remember otherwise, but I, I remember you had come to me with the idea of a kid's animated show. Um, and you're like, I've got this song, Time Out. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's cool. And, you know, I had a little bit of history with like kids programming sort of shows. I did a show, The Shigulis. It was a puppet show, it wasn't animated, but we did that. We we successfully shot a pilot. We pitched it around. Unfortunately, it was uh, the company that had funded it sort of went under. So we couldn't really do much more with it. But I, I was very actively about 15 years ago, pushing a lot of 
kids content for an ad agency that I was working at. And so I had gotten pretty, pretty hot, pretty far. I mean, I was at one point I was sitting in the Disney feature films office, pitching my dog show, Lula, the journey of a pup star of a touring dog who travels the, uh, travels the world meeting different animals and they sing about where they're from, where I had Eric Nally from Foxy. I had an incredible, incredible cast. We shot, you know, we, we did a full sort of storyboard and I pitched it to Disney, whatever. And so I learned a lot throughout that process of things of what to do, what not to do, a lot of that stuff. So when Jimmy had sort of brought this, I took a lot of that, um, a lot of that stuff that I had learned then, and I sort of brought it back here and applied it with like, my current feature film producing side and so i was like okay cool you know you got this you got that and then, so we would just again same thing as always he's sort of throwing stuff my way i'm throwing it back his way that was sort of how that started i was like well hey i, I can get some i can get some voice talent and just like anything else it just sort of went from there but jim unless you remember it a different way sometimes i do feel like it could have started differently because we'll talk and it feels like we've known each other forever but it really has been about five years i think it just I, we think so similarly but also so different so we can kind of fill in the gaps in each other's ideas <laughs> <laughs> they did that in frozen i figured that maybe you would get it as a dad <laughs> oh, man yeah that's totally accurate yeah yeah. When you do have those sort of working partnerships that work that well, it's so rare. I mean, think about how often that happens with you. And you are like the guy that kind of gets along with everybody. But even so, you know, it's just sometimes you gel, sometimes you don't. Even if yeah. you get along well, um, do your ideas kind of come together in, in that way? Yeah. We were on a call for, you know, it was just like a quick catch up before this meeting. And we're, you know, <laughs> I know we're like rambling. Yeah. <laughs> we're sitting there rambling and I'm like... It was like, it was meant to be a five minute conversation. It turned into like over half an hour. Like, dude, we got to go. We got to do the Zoom. And that's how every conversation ends up going. It's like, it starts off with one tiny little thing. And then somehow we're talking about like, okay, now when you're watching this music video from Michelle Gondry, if you see that angle, it's just, and we're both like, oh my God, it's us. And we're just like constant. And then I'm like, shit, I'm late for this. I forgot to call that person. <laughs> and like, it goes about like, you know, I've uh, personally, for me, I've just went through so many different partners, I guess, you know, between, be, you know, being in a band with a ton of partners for number 12, starting when I was 16 to uh, being at ad agencies, having partners there, having the Paramount management where we were managing Foxy Shazam and all the bands. And I just went through so many different partners. So, and there, it's very rare that like, you know, you can sort of like get creatively challenged to where it's like, and I, I don't mean challenge like who's better, but almost like, like take it all in a bit. Whoa, that's really interesting. And then it like, you know, sharpens your tools without even trying, you know, you're just constantly like, yeah, yeah I see what you're saying. Okay. All right. Like, give me a minute. And some, someone you respect enough to be like, okay, I'm going to take that and sit with it for a minute. And then I'll come back to you as opposed to some people I've had relationships with where you know they'll sort of be like oh well this is this i'm like i don't respect you enough to like give it more thought <laughs> so that's where like you know again going back to lizzie wilding obviously he was already touching on something that many things that i love between the metal thrashy sort of element the uh something to sort of something with substance to walk away with and then you know animation sort of the uh, that sort of uh angle of going at it and sort of like people be like, oh my God, this looks so cool, monsters. And there's a thrash song and then, oh man, like they're talking about like getting along, you know? And and it just touched upon a million different things that I was like, yes, 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 yes. And so yeah, I, I he sort of kept going with that. And I think we just sort of spitballing scenes. And, and I think I was 
pitching you a bunch of voice talent um, of just like, hey, what do you think of, you know, this person? We just sort of put in together a motley crew of just, you know, a, a hodgepodge team. And I, that's sort of the, in my opinion, the best ways of making these projects, not like going out and just getting like, okay, we're going to hire a casting director who's going to go and get us these kind of actors. And we're going to go like, it's just like, oh, I know this person. And they love metal. Why don't we go for that? And we're like DMing people we're like, hey, you've never met me. But <laughs> and like and now exactly considering little thrashers, one of the one of the pivotal points in developing this project, because we had done the Lizzie project, you know, it was a lot of work. It was a ton of work on a, a very small group of people, a labor of love that everybody was doing, you know, just not with an expectation of going anywhere, but really it, it turned into like kind of a COVID project at the end. But after that was done, uh, we had got linked up with you, Rich Nardo and the folks over at Flux. And, you know, we had discussed the idea of possibly entering the NFT space. And that was a space that I've always been skeptical of personally. But um, you guys really kind of made me feel a lot more comfortable with the idea. And we tricked you into it at the end of the day. Yeah, you, did. you absolutely <laughs> did. And, uh, you know, I trust everything that you say. You're a man of character and uh, you you really know what you're talking about. So I, I tried to think about it in a way like, well, if this doesn't work as an NFT, like how can it be something that I can still be proud of and it can still support the cause of Lizzie Wilding? And that's really where the birth of the Thrashers was. We had all these other characters that I wanted to develop and I used the NFT as an opportunity to develop these characters. We created this, this world of the catacombs and um, we were able to develop all these characters that were part of the NFT and have gone on to be part of the series that we are now discussing here, which is Little Thrashers. And it continues to grow, but that was the moment starting all the rest of it. Cause it was like Lizzie Wilde thing was done. Do we continue to develop it or do we move on to the next project? And most certainly the fate was, it ends here. And when we were linked up with you and Blake, that seemed to change. I. I really saw an opportunity to, you know, at the very least expand this universe and kind of see where it went. And I'm really glad that I did because, you know, it was financially helped us out in, in building out the universe. We were able to fund some things that I wouldn't have been able to fund on my own. And we were also, it just kind of like kickstarted my brain. And we are currently in, in works of making a pilot for Lizzie Wilding. And also, you know, a ton of uh, supplemental content with Little Thrashers. And how has that affected your overall goal with the project? So, you know, it was originally Lizzie Wilding. That was what you guys were doing. You're putting together this show. And as it evolved, obviously the show is still the core element of the Thrashers universe, Lizzie Wilding is. But mm -hmm. now that there's so many storylines that we're actively putting out there and working on, has it affected like what you see as success for Little Thrashers or like what your approach is to everything? Has any of that changed? Absolutely. It's, I feel like my goals have shifted 180 degrees and I, I view it as like such a positive thing. Like there's a lot, there was a lot of pressure at least for like the Thrashers project to produce stuff a little quicker. And I have so many ideas. You have so many ideas. You know, we, we've got a lot of ideas that we'd like to produce, but 
being like a one man show as far as production goes, the animation process, design, uh, etc. You have to cut corners in order to produce things that quickly. And so it's been a process of really like fine tuning my workflow in order to accommodate for producing stuff faster. And I think that I have learned so many just absolutely invaluable lessons as far as um, managing a workflow, what is important to animate, what is not, you know, how you can drive a story forward with minimal animation, for example, but, but still have it be impactful. And it's really made me want to continue to make these short things because they're really fun to do. Um, and I think they pay off in just pure enjoyment for, for the most part. Uh, but they don't have to really um, serve a greater purpose, but inevitably they do. So they can stand alone on their own. And it allows me to experiment and, and create new characters. And all, all in the end, you know, it just is expanding the universe and making a fuller world, immersive world for these characters to live in. Some of my favorite shows, uh, animated series, they sort of arrived on the stage nearly fully formed. You know, when you think about a show like Futurama or um, a, a lesser known one, Mission Hill, it's another one. They, they kind of began with these huge immersive worlds figured out. And they had all these background characters that develop over the course of several seasons. But they're there from the beginning. And that's really one of the goals that I have with the Thrashers at this point is they all have their unique storylines. We get to explore them with these small vignettes, uh, but they also are part of a bigger world so they can influence each other. And it's an endless source of characters and, and stories to tell. Yeah, for sure. And, the, and one of the things that I think is really cool about what you were just saying, in addition to the process stuff, which I think we can touch on as well here, because I get a text from you like every three days saying, I just figured this thing out that has <laughs> radically made my life that much easier. It sounds about right for Jimmy's. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah. everything is okay in, in the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I figured this out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with the new vignette that we just put out no weenies allowed you had a super interesting approach to writing the script for that that kind of solved a big problem that we've had because one of the things with this universe is we're, we're building it all out in real time over social media which is a lot of work for an animator but what you did and what we've been calling beat to short is you wrote the script in a way that it breaks down into little clips that could then go onto social media as an independent clip and it stands alone. It makes sense as a little clip, but then when you add them all together, it's this 11 minute vignette. What made you think to do this beat to short approach? And is it harder to write like that? Um, so to the first part of that question, um, my, Myself and my son, we've recently, I've rediscovered, but he is discovering the, the wonderful world of uh, Bill Watterson's Calvin and Hobbes, which uh, for those who don't know, is like this legendary comic strip from the 90s that uh, was just like hugely influential and was really famous for being super like, it was very funny, but also very poignant. And when you go back and look at these old comic strips, which the series has been done for, for a really long time at this point, but Bill Watterson did this, what a lot of comics did at the time, which was you, you could take a longer narrative and just kind of like break it up into little bite-sized chunks. You have your dailies, which are usually three panels long. And then on Sunday, you'd have a longer form story. And some comics would stick strictly to a long form narrative. And those were more geared to like adults. 
And then you'd have the shorter ones like Garfield that would really just everyone was kind of a standalone thing. But Calvin and Hobbes would very often follow like a longer narrative over the course of a couple of weeks. And I, I just kind of realized how similar that approach was to or, or how it would solve a problem with content on social media because people are getting conditioned to shorter and shorter bursts of content rather than sitting through long form stuff. But you still want the opportunity to like engage with the same characters and allow them to develop. And how do you do that in 30 seconds or less? You know what I mean? So um, I, I really started to be very inspired by the way that he approached his writing. And um, once I really thought about it, it was easy to implement. It was easy to just try to say, okay, I'm gonna wrap up this point in page worth of dialogue. And every time we're starting over again, we're really just trying to find ways to quickly bring the viewer up to speed without having to, you know, do a full refresher on the entire storyline. So some of the things, you know, they don't necessarily matter. If you break off any one of the individual skits in No Ease Allowed, I think it will stand alone on its own. And that's how it was first put out there. Um, but when you string them all together, it was an experiment in seeing how well we could make it flow. And I think it worked really well. It was something that I love the term beat to short too. It sounds very like official. I, <laughs> I think it's the sort of approach that could work really well for brands and series. And it's really opened my eyes to the possibilities of more stuff. You know, we're not beholden to any one individual character but we can follow this character out for a couple scenes and, and kind of develop them a little bit more. But every time you watch one of the little skits, it's still engaging. I think it, it helps us to stay on track with making engaging material as well. Um, there's no long stretches where it's just exposition. You know, you really are, you get into the jokes pretty quickly and whether you like the jokes or not, you know, they're, <laughs> they're there and they're, they're frequent and the turnover is faster, uh, but you still have that longer story. I think as a writer that, uh, that I would imagine that helps in your editing process and makes you a better writer, but it's also very difficult because I feel like writing is a balance of getting your narrative across in a way that people that aren't familiar with the story are going to be able to attach themselves to emotionally while not drawing out and relying too heavy on long narratives that are going to bore people. So yeah. I guess beat to short really is an exaggerated version of that, right? Because it's like you have to get a narrative, you're, you're building the narrative, but you have to say what you got to say in, you know, 55 seconds or less to get on yeah. to the next part of the narrative. Absolutely. I think anybody who I'm not suggesting that I myself am like necessarily good at my craft, but Anybody who is good at their craft, they will approach a uh, limitation like that in a way that makes it a strength rather than a weakness. And I think that that is what I'm trying to do anyway. I'm not a writer. I'm not trained as a writer. I think if you watch the series, for the most part, anything that I, any of the skits that I have written, that may come across. I'm not heartbroken by, by that, but I am learning um, what works and what doesn't work. And I think I'm studying it more and growing as a writer. And I think eventually I'm going to be able to say I am a writer, you know, because you kind of have to do, you have to wear all the hats in a project like this at one point or another. You are a writer. You're also doing voices. You're also producing. You're also promoting. You're, you're doing all the stuff, you know? 
there are some hats that I can't wear. And that is kind of like really where Jesse and I have sort of excelled in some of the projects we've worked on. I am not necessarily, I'm not going to say I'm not a people person, but um, he's a better face for, <laughs> for our group. And there's a lot of hats that I just, I can't wrap my head around the production process sometimes. I can do things that no person can do. I have a lot of skill sets that you know, other people can't wrap their heads around, but it's great having people like you and Jesse that can handle the logistical stuff that I just, it melts my brain. It's literally pouring out of my ears when I try to think about like how to handle this stuff. So, and while you're mentioning Napalm Rainbow, um, I just want to say that what a combination of amazing videos and stuff that you guys put out through Napalm Rainbow with what you said earlier about you guys pushing each other and being able to balance each other's best tendencies and your worst tendencies and the way you work together. That is one of the main reasons why I feel so lucky that we're involved in this. Like, you guys have this amazing chemistry. I'm such a huge fan of your guys' work with Napalm Rainbow. I love working with both of you guys. And it, it's it's inspiring even from a little bit outside, watching you guys work together and seeing what you guys do and like the output that it results in is really amazing. So I just want to say that and give some shout outs to uh, Napalm Rainbow Thanks while I have the chance here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's a, it's a dream to have it build organically that the, there was no sort of like, um, like okay today we're gonna start this company or there was no sort of like you know there was no there's nothing sort of manufactured in the in that sense uh, of putting that company together it just sort of came because the ideas just never stopped and we're like hey this is getting pretty crazy that's just the best when you're able to have something that other people appreciate that you're just sort of doing on your own you know without like any again like there was no like agenda of like okay Jim like you do this, I do that. Tomorrow we start this company and we'll figure it all. Like it was, it just sort of all kept going. And, and yeah, that was sort of a, that's sort of how we just got here and just got ourselves into a lot of crazy projects. One that we can't talk about right now, but I think Jim, you know what I'm talking about? Arguably our biggest venturing slightly outside of the music video world, but still in the video content. And, uh, a very, 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 very big undertaking for us. So it's cool to, again, like keep climbing this fast, but it being both of our sort of like weekend after hours sort of gig, like, you know, he has his thing, I have my thing. And a napalm is just sort of like this burning rainbowy inferno that just never stops <laughs> on the on like the after hours and the weekends. And we're just trying to keep up with it. It's crazy. And what are you guys' goals for napalm? Then, like you mentioned just there, even though you can't talk about the project, which I'm hoping you guys will tell me about off recording. Um, but are you, are you, is it primary, you want to keep doing music videos? Are you expanding into other worlds? I know it's also, it's a producer on everything that comes out of the Little Thrashers universe. So um, would you guys be moving into TV and film as well? Or is it mostly just music videos? I mean, I mean, I'll, you know, Jim, I'm sure you'll, you'll have your say about for me personally, I, I, I'm personally not really thinking that far ahead, to be honest, like, I'm sort of just enjoying the time that is happening now with with everything. And uh, I think if I start thinking too far ahead of, you know, just, oh, the goal this or goal that, like, I think it's just, uh, it's it's going to, I think it's going to throw me off and have this sort of backwards ripple effect of like what I'm doing at that moment. Whereas like right now, like this whole thing got built for just again, out of fun and, and we're like having a lot, you know, we're creating such cool stuff that we're proud of to put out there. And we're sort of taking every single day as it comes. And like, I mean, we're again, we are just on the phone before we even talked to this about these 
three music videos that were sort of we were that wasn't even why I called him. I, I was calling about something completely different. And somehow we jumped into that, and that's sort of like how every conversation goes. So like I personally feel like I don't really want to say anything is off the table, and because like Jimmy will always have his skill sets, and he's always growing with his. You know, mine is is where mine is, and always growing with where I'm going. But like, I think for I think for right now, I think we're just sort of at least for me, I'm sort of just going with it and um and just continuing to have fun with it. And if crazy shit keeps coming our way, this like kind of like the the napalm rainbow motto, I guess it's just there's you can't really make sense of a lot of it. <laughs> you just sort of like, oh, all right, fuck it, let's do it. You know, so yeah. I don't know. I think that's sort of the like mentality that i've been having with it but jim maybe you have a much more sophisticated angle to it <laughs> uh, I've, i haven't been known to have like a more sophisticated angle anything i think you say it really well i also don't necessarily have any expectations um or hard goals uh i want to continue to just pursue the things that interest us that get us excited i know you and i have talked about that rich as well uh just the idea of continuing to be excited about projects that we're working on and uh what i will say is we do work with a lot of bands in the heavy metal and hardcore realm and uh i've I've thought, you know, one like smaller goal that I think would be nice down the line is uh, I'm like a really, I'm a big hip hop and pop music fan as well. And uh, it'd be really nice to kind of like take our vision of horror, macabre and, and just brutality and, and shift it into a realm that's like a little different. Um, so it'd be nice. I think eventually uh, I would love to kind of tackle, you know, video work in that realm. But, you know, we're, we've achieved every goal <laughs> i think tenfold by this point already i would like to continue to develop the series and maybe someday see it get picked up uh if not though the journey is the destination really with a lot of this stuff and that's how i feel about it it just keeps getting better man i man, uh, this every, is, every day this is one of the lessons i need to learn in life because you guys know me well enough to know that i'm always thinking like, well, if we do this, then we could do this and we could do this and we could grow it like this. And I'm always trying to think like five years out at a time, like, what is this going to look like in five years? Where can we grow to? How do we get to that goal? And you I, mean, guys which, I, I, do, I do think it is important to do that though, you know, it, <laughs> in certain aspects. Uh, I think it's not yeah. like, I don't think this napalm mentality applies like that would never apply for Yale Productions because like it's all about the big picture plan. I mean, you know, doing 10 movies a year and, you know, getting that sort of, you know, the X amount of employees to then become to that next level. So I think that there is parts that I think that that does work and it does apply very well to some. But I think for this one, at least like creatively speaking, I just think that if you're doing something that is creatively driven, I think putting a lot of like mile markers on things that you have to like, almost like force yourself into a corner to be creative. There's just some sort of like energy that doesn't, doesn't work that way. In my opinion, like it doesn't, you can't, you can't just be like, well, in, in a year, I have to be this creative. Uh, we have to be this creative because by this time this year, we're going to be at this level. I think when you start putting those like, bookmarks there for like those sort of achievements it sort of takes a it puts that like added pressure on your mind just sort of getting you know working at its own sort of pace and then it becomes contrived and it starts turning into this like oh you're a machine and you know I feel like for me personally speaking you know towards the end of 
the first time when my band number 12 first broke up, it was starting to feel like that. We were like tour, album, tour, album. And like at some point it started off as this creative process, but then at a certain point we're like, we're just making another album to just do the same thing again. It was feeling like work and we had to be like, okay, we got to write the sickest breakdown for this jazz part to sort of come in and like, and we and we know that because the we have to hit this November date for release, and it was all so formulated at that point that it started not being fun. Like that's always going to be my first initial fear, and I think that that sort of applies to everything I've ever done in my life from that point on. Is like when I'm like heavy deep into the creative mode, when it's like becomes like uh, this that sort of pattern of like you're solely relying on creativity. It's just, uh, you know, you just got, it's a slippery slope. You just got to be really careful. And I think Napalm is, you know, again, like not for me, not like I agree with Jim. Like I want to explore, I want to get into the, like we were talking about how I was like, you know, I never even really listened to too much metal and hardcore. I just, I'm in that kind of band, but like I listen to like everything and, you know, we want to explore every genre that exists, but like when that happens, it'll happen. Like, uh, like we're just putting the energy out there. It's just like, come on, who, who's got something for us? Like throw it our way, you know, just, just leaving that, leaving that energy out there. Whatever sparks inspiration is what you guys are going to work on next. Yeah. Well, you guys do bring up, you guys both mentioned when we were talking about Napalm Rainbow, like how, a lot of your clients for Napalm Rainbow are in that metal and hardcore world. And Jesse, you played in the number 12 for years. That's, you know, such a big part of who you are. One of the things with Thrasher is bringing it full circle back is, as Jimmy put it in the press release for No Weenies Allowed, uh, is to capture the essence of the metal scene. So I wanted to ask you guys, what is it from the metal scene that was important to you guys that you're trying to capture and show with Lizzie and the Little Thrashers? It's a great question. I think, you know, we're, I think all three of us have kind of been involved in it for a really long time. I don't think our, our paths cross necessarily beforehand, but a lot of the friends that I have to this day are friends that I met on tour 20 years ago. Um, they're friends that I met going to shows and there was a camaraderie. As a teenager, you feel like kind of an outcast for being into these this subculture that is not really popular. You know, it might be a little more popular now, a little less, I, I don't really know, but it was something that spoke to me personally. Um, the values of punk rock, hardcore, heavy metal. It is dark, but it's also, there's a, so much light in that world that I think a lot of people don't realize. And so when I say that I want to capture that energy, it's like, it's not just about the jokiness of like death and you know, destruction. The world is terrible, black soul, black heart. But it's also somebody's out there and the crowd's getting wild and they fall on the ground and you pick them up and you lift each other up. You know, there's a singer in a band, but, you know, there's also... 50 people in the crowd singing along and they get the microphone too and they all get to contribute and it it becomes this scene that's built by every member that's there you know there's there's no wall between the performer and the crowd and it it, it really is everybody's scene the metal scene and that that's sort of the energy that I wanted to capture with Thrashers. I think it's a really good message for kids. I think I've said it many times like all of the most important lessons that I've learned in my life about being a better person 
have I've learned either on the road roadieing for bands or playing in bands or just um, learned from from my friends in in that community. There is the negativity, you know. There's there's a lot of negative things that we can kind of focus on, and I think society does still, surprisingly, to this day, focus on the negative stuff. But it's really a world where people look out for each other, they care about each other, um, and they uplift each other, and they want to see each other succeed because. When one succeeds, everybody does. It really benefits everybody tenfold. Love that. Jesse, anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've I feel like I've been saying or preaching this since I was like a teenager. It's just I and through all the wakes of like, I feel like I've lived so many different lifetimes between like you know going through the number twelve world, then going into the band management world, and then going into the photography world, then going to the film producing world, then coming back to the music world. It's just there's no world like the punk rock, hardcore, screamo metal world. There's just I don't care, and you, there's no one that there's no one in the world at this point that can come to me and say. Well, you can't say that because you've never been part of this world. I can promise you I've been basically part of every genre world that that exists out there. <laughs> like I've I've worked it. I've been part of the biggest management companies. I've worked with every kind of artist and I've been in every sort of genre. And like there is still to this day no sort of world that comes together and unifies like the like this world. And you know, I for the unsaid big project that we're not talking about i i'd walked away with even even more reinforcement to what i've been preaching for forever it's like through the interviews and the people i've met and stuff like that it's just it's it's so even more true than i've ever believed it's it's camaraderie you know it's just like that sort of music is so specific that like you can't just say pop and then like you know you connect to the person standing next to you in line because they listen to you know uh, uh harry styles like it's like that's such a massive world whereas like you know this world of the punk rock hardcore metal sort of world you see someone with like you know a dying fetus shirt you're just like mm -hmm, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's true it is so it is so accurate and like it's such a like almost like fight club you know you're just like mm -hmm, yeah, yeah you know and and like you want to look out for each other, you know, and, and sort of like, you know, Jimmy sort of how he created all that and the sort of like foundation for it, you know, where I just come into play is just like, I further reinforce it. I'm just like, yeah, like you, I know you have your own beliefs and I, I have mine because we're basically the same. They're all the same, you know? So like, it almost like reinforces more of this project that like you came from your world, you came from your world. I came from my world and we all sort of, paralleled each other's lanes and we're like yeah we're all speaking the same language so like that just proves more accurate that like once it's sort of i think that the essence of that once it's properly captured that i think it can really you know reach a lot of people in a positive way you know again for me when i did lula the journey of a pup star it was sort of you know kids learning something but um and and it was music it was all music driven the eric nally from foxy he he sang the opening song for the theme song. People would be like, can I play that song one more time? It was just so good. But like, he was talking about like, learn, like just like going to Texas and meeting Silly, the Silly, the singing armadillo from Texas, who talks about how big and all the facts about Texas and uh, like all these like little things. And it was, the song was so catchy, but like 
when you reach people through music and then they're sort of like hearing like, oh, T-I-M-E, O-U-T, time out. And it's like, oh, wow, this is cool. Like it has such a, it just, it connects to us, us music lovers to another level, you know? And um, anyways, I, I just think that like, there's a, there's definitely something to be captured here, which has been captured. But like, I think it's only a matter of time before like it starts getting even more traction. I love that. It's like a, a community of accepting everybody's individual journey, stories, problems, and helping everybody get to the next stage of dealing with whatever they're dealing with and accomplishing whatever they, they accomplish. So I love that. And guys, thank you so much for taking the time to do this podcast. I know we're we're running up against the the time here, but I do want to ask one last question in closing to each of you. And that's what is the destiny for Lil Thrashers that you would consider it successful? That is a great question. First off, thank you for having us on the podcast. Uh, it's always great chatting with the two of you. Um, it's always very insightful. And I feel fortunate to get to talk to you guys as often as I do. This project, I know this is kind of a cop out, but it feels like a success to me already. Like I do have aspirations that, you know, someday these characters can be seen on a wider stage and um, be appreciated by people that aren't just like in our community, but in on the world stage, you know, whether that means the series gets picked up or it gets a little more traction on YouTube even, but it's always the, the personal goals that I have had with this series. We have met tenfold. Um, you know, it's like every time we do one of these skits, we get to work with just a musician or an actor or, you know, a, some sort of partner that I respect and admire. Um, it's really expanded my worldview and it, it's, made me a better animator, a better storyteller, a better person, I, I guess, to a degree, you know, because sticking with any project, whether it's something that pays off in the end or not, sticking to a project and seeing it out over the course of many years, you grow, you know, and you grow because of your involvement with it. So uh, in that, in that sense, it is a success to me. It will always be because we're creating something together. Um, but I would love to see like the, the Lizzie pilot move forward and, you know, see a network pick it up or at the very least um, have lots of people see it and appreciate it and enjoy it. That's really a low bar. <laughs> and Jesse? Um, I, I definitely feel like it's tough one because I feel like I never want to be that person who's like, again, I know I sort of touched upon this earlier is like, like trying to get this to this point and, you know, try it like, it's gotta be here. But like, it's kind of a mix. Cause like, I do want it to get to the sort of the world stage of like uh, having it have a chance to be featured and people start talking about it and maybe it gets, you know, a, a first season pickup at like, you know, one of these smaller distributors or studios or a collaboration. I feel like right now, I feel like we're making something so cool that like, because it's such a small, such a small team, I feel like it just, what I would love to see is like have someone give it a chance, you know, someone give it a chance to just get behind it um, to, to sort of like expand the, um, the team and, and actually do it 
in a, in a much bigger way and and do like a full sort of series and have a proper channel output whatever whatever platform that is to sort of reach a bigger demographic i feel like if we can get that chance to show this to the world i will feel i will per- like as long as it gets a chance i'm not saying it has to be the biggest thing in the world or just moderate success like i just I wanted to have a chance right now because like right now it's like everything's being built in this like and there's a whole world of this being built and I feel like it's so limited because you know they're everyone's wearing a million hats like Jimmy was saying and it's just like if someone could just have give it a chance and give it that proper platform I feel like that's gonna that for me would feel like a success uh, like whether it becomes a known thing or not a known thing but i think if there was like man like we we gave it the shot and look at how we got there we've reached this many people you know like that's cool that, that's that's really cool and i think right now it's like it's very it's very hard to do with this tiny little little team and having you know our limited resources it's just because like you know that i feel like just like that's not the for in my opinion not the fun part of of creating that's almost like here we created this thing like can someone try to can someone like show it to other people this can someone do like that's not really part of creating that's like that's a whole nother side of something else you know so it's almost just like let the creators create and then someone just give it a chance to be like you know what love what you guys created give me a chance to do what i do and get it to the world so that it can sort of like replenish the sort of energies and sort of, okay, let's keep going. Let's keep doing it, you know? Well, my version of success for Little Thrashers is that I get to keep working on it with you guys for a really long time because I love you guys. I appreciate you. Thank you again for being on this podcast. Uh, Jesse, our first two-time guest here. (laughs) Returning guest. All right, well, thank you guys. All right, thanks, Rich.